This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. FBI be involved with Twitter. Insight from a career FBI special agent, 60 seconds from now. It is the Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn. We were talking about the the Twitter files. Elon Musk purchases Twitter for, what, $44 billion and starts poking around the file cabinets, the executive washroom, finds a whole bunch of stuff and starts releasing this. And a lot of it is really disturbing. Now, some of it, the... Uh, the shadow banning, the the removal of followers and the rest of it, you you could say, hey, it, it's a private company. Right? They could do what they want to do. But the involvement, apparently, on the part of some Department of Justice folks and some FBI agents uh, gives me pause for concern. We, we, we discussed it a little bit uh, a few moments ago with Professor Alan Dershowitz. And I wanted to reach out to somebody who had, to put it mildly, a distinguished career as a special agent with the FBI, who was willing to say, all right, let me let me take a look at this and let's chat about it. And that's Bobby Chacon. I'm happy to say that Bobby is joining us. Bobby, thank you for being here. Good to be here, Jeff. Thanks. What is your, just your gut check sense? You're looking at these Twitter files come out. They're, they're pointing towards some folks from the FBI being involved. Is it just all nonsense? Is there something here we need to know about? Well, yeah, it's, it's a lot more than nonsense. It's, 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 it's dangerous. It's shocking to a lot of us former agents. I've been speaking to many of my former colleagues over the last few weeks about this. Daily, we're in communication with each other. Um, and it's one more shocking revelation of how the FBI has gone off the rails politically um, and engaged in behavior that is not law enforcement. And it's much more towards policy, enforcing policies and becoming henchmen for other people in the government and in private sector. So 
I mean, the FBI has had a couple of bumps along the road, right? My my oldest boy is home from Stanford and couldn't wait to show me a book all about uh, COINTELPRO. See, see, I told you so. Uh, but for the most part, every every brick agent that I've ever known, Bobby, has been by the book straight up and down saying, man, this is not a political thing. We're not uh, active that way. We're politically agnostic. We're going after bad guys. So... Is, is the mission different or is this just a handful of people on that seventh floor saying, look, here's what we really want you to do? Well, certainly the mission isn't different from a statutory standpoint. We are legally tasked with enforcing federal law. Now, the question becomes not only from the seventh floor, but also from the executive ranks in the field, the SACs, the special agents in charge of the field offices like San Francisco in the case of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it's more than just the seventh floor, but it, but to me, it, do, it doesn't really reach the rank and file. And that may be just my emotional tie because for 27 years, I was a street agent. I did not go into management ever. Uh, it was not my intent or my objective ever in my career. So, um, but I did see a, a, an alarming change in the type of people that were going into management, rising through the ranks just before I retired in 2014. Um, the likes of Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok and things like that. Um, people like that that I saw, you know, just thirsting for power. Um, and then you get inside the beltway for too long. And then you have, um, uh, you know, people get in bed with each other. McCabe's wife was running as a Democrat and receiving money from Terry McAuliffe. Things like that were never heard of in my time in the, in the 80s and early 90s when, when I had first come into the FBI. And unfortunately now it does seem to be a cabal, but I think it extends, unfortunately, beyond the seventh floor because FBI headquarters is a revolving door and they all kind of jump for two years at the headquarters and back in the field, back to headquarters, back to the field. And they, each time they're notching, they're going up a notch in the ladder. So a lot of these people that spend time in the seventh floor, are then out in the field offices and then back and forth. So there are alarming behaviors on the part of some of these special agents in charge who are complicit with their buddies back at FBI headquarters on the seventh floor. Bobby Chacon is joining us. Bobby is, well, uh, a lot of things. Bobby, I can't uh, list everything, but uh, my goodness, 27 years, distinguished careers with the FBI in Hollywood now, screenwriter and producer and all of this other stuff. One of the things that I have heard recently, Bobby, that concerns me are calls from people who ordinarily, traditionally, you would you would say were big supporters of law enforcement, now standing up and saying, we just need to dismantle the entire bureau. Is that realistic? Is that, is that a good idea? I, I don't think it's realistic or a good idea. I think that when you have, you know, there are organizations that, you know, go down a certain path um, and then need to be reformed. I think that major reforms are needed, sure. Um, but I don't think... The dismantling, like I said, I don't think it's practical to think that way. The FBI has been in existence for over 100 years. Um, the last big agency that I remember that they wanted to disband was the ATF and, and President Reagan nixed that idea. Um, but uh, the paperwork was already done and how we, the rest of the agency was absorbed. It's just it's just a, a behemoth to think about. And the government moves so slowly on these things. But I think reform, certainly reform is needed because, you know, we've been talking amongst ourselves and, you know, my network of retired agents. And I mean, the, these, these Twitter files are so disturbing. I mean, they make the Pentagon papers look like a junior high school book report. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the fact that you had a government agency tied to a 
uh, a private company, Twitter, right? And now we, the FBI was asking Twitter to shut down certain things that it popped up as, as misinformation during the election. First of all, what's the federal crime there? The fact that the FBI had a national election command post is disturbing in, in itself because the traditional Department of Justice policy was 90 days before an election, we didn't make any arrests on public corruption cases. We didn't do anything that might even give the perception of putting our finger, a foot, a thumb on the scale of an election. So this is the opposite. Now we're standing up a national election command post. What's the crime committed? If somebody puts out misinformation, look, politicians have lied since politics started in the United right. States, right? Hil- right? Hillary Clinton never came, never came under fire in a helicopter. She lied about that. There was no effort to censor her about that. You know, uh, uh, Joe Biden's wife was not killed by a drunk driver. Um, he keeps repeating that. Nobody ever tries to censor that information. That's misinformation. Both of those are very famous lies told by politicians. And, and we expect that from politicians. We expect that from politicians' supporters. We expect it, we expect it from PACs. We expect it from, you know, partisans. And so the fact that people lie is not new. It's nothing new. This quote-unquote now misinformation that we need to stop from getting out, there's no crime there. I'm sure that there are some lawyers in the FBI headquarters who came up with some cockamamie theory of what crimes that they were going to try to try to investigate. But from my look at it, this is, these are terms of service violations that Twitter should on its own look at. And if they, you know, they're a private company, they can censor whoever they want. Right. Because that, that, that goes against their, their company policies. And you agree to those when you establish an account, but for the government to step in and point Twitter in the direction of a certain group of people saying censor this information because we don't like it or we think it's misinformation it's not a crime the fbi shouldn't be involved in that bobby chacon joining us a career fbi agent a, a distinguished career to put it mildly bobby one of the one of the things i've heard as well folks saying to me look jeff i get it the the guys out in the field the gals out in the field they're they're not really the problem but they should stand up to their supervisors. They should stand up and tell their their bosses, no, we're not going to do that. Is there a, a mechanism inside the Bureau for you as a special agent to turn to your, uh, your ASAC or your special agent in charge and say, no, sir, no, ma'am, not going to do that? Well, you know, there are general whistleblower protections in the government, uh, and we've seen, you know, uh, Special Agent Friend and, and other people like him start to do that. I, I, I really have a really tough time with this question that you pose because, you know, I spent my career, I saw things I didn't like. It didn't really affect me to do my job. I was putting bad guys in jail. And, you know, I, while, while we would talk about it over coffee or something, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to risk my career and, and my, the, the, the livelihood that I supported my family with. So it, it's a really difficult position for me to be in because, you know, you go into government with, with the goal of, you know, doing a certain amount of time and getting a pension at the end. And, and, and I was a lawyer before I went in the FBI. So I could have had a, a lucrative career in law, you know. Yes. And so I, 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 you know, I foregone that financial gain because it was a job I loved and I, I was dedicated to putting bad people in jail. And, and, you know, I, I would, you know, when I was 15, 16, 18 years, you know, just a few years from retirement, it, it would have been tougher for me to say, I'm going to throw this all away because of politics and because the FBI is involved. Now, if I was ever personally involved or I was personally told to do something that's different, that would be a different, I was never 
in that position. I kind of heard grumblings of things happening back at headquarters, but that was, I was in Los Angeles. That was, you know, thousands of miles away and really didn't affect my day-to-day actions as an agent, which I think is the, the, the position a lot of agents are in there today. They're out there working bank robberies. They're out there working kidnappings, terrorism. We just arrested a top 10 fugitive in Mexico. We're working murder investigations, RICO, organized crime. And, and some of this stuff they read about in, in the news, but they don't face it every day at the office that they go into. Um, but there are, like you said, there are agents like in Indianapolis during the, the, the bungled uh, investigation into the into the U.S. gymnast, um, which was an SAC that really should should never get a pension. Um, and he did. They allowed him to, to, to retire early. But but there are agents that do come across this and there are, you know, whistleblower statutes. I don't know if they're if they need to be you know, upgraded or whatever. But, you know, Senator Grassley has always been a big uh, supporter of, you know, people inside the government being able to come forward and, and testify and not, you know, suffer repercussions. But I saw it in the FBI. I saw people step forward and get fired, you know, and, and suffer retaliation for stepping forward. Um, it shouldn't happen, but it does. And, you know, every time it happens, it, it should be looked at very closely. This, I don't think these these Twitter files, I think, you know, the Justice Department can't look at itself. The FBI shouldn't be investigating itself. This has to come from an outside agency or, or, or Congress needs to look at it in hearings or something, because this is a very serious uh, merging of government function and private industry to go after people that are not breaking the law. And, you know, the FBI, I know that they said tried to say it was some foreign thing, but this was the San Francisco field office because that's what the Twitter uh, uh, headquarters was was covered by. And this, these were, this was the special agent in charge of the San Francisco field office and agents in that office working for the FBI's National Election Command Post back at headquarters doing the bidding of somebody in Washington. Who, who it was, I don't know. Whether or not this was confined to the FBI saying, you know, we're gonna, we want you to monitor all this misinformation. As soon as we spot it, we want you to shut them down. That's improper, first of all. And, and my question is, were, were people at FBI headquarters taking direction from either Justice Department or people from the White House? Great points. Bobby Chacon, thank you so much for making time for us. That is Bobby Chacon, a retired FBI special agent, 27 years, distinguished career. He's an attorney by training. He's a he's a screenwriter and a producer in Hollywood and just one of the uh, the best of the best. I always appreciate the chance that I get uh, every once in a while to chat with him. Remind you, social media, if you don't mind giving me a follow, I'd appreciate it on Twitter, Jeff Katz Show, Jeff Katz Show over on Twitter, K-A-T-Z. Uh, Facebook, love to get that up. Uh, not a little milestone to hit. Uh, that would be great. The Jeff Katz Show, K-A-T-Z again is that last name. It is Jeff Katz in for my friend Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for my friend Glenn. one 727 beck one 727 beck I definitely want to uh, chat with you, that's for sure. But I also want you to take a li- little something uh, that came out. I don't know, it, was the, it wasn't the, uh, the libs of TikTok. Maybe it was the libs of TikTok came out with this or somebody else. Um, I've, I am not on TikTok by design. Uh, I feel that I'm uh, really not interested in helping the Chinese Communist Party if, if I get the opportunity to not help them. But uh, somebody dug out an old video of Mr. Rogers. You remember Mr. Rogers? Super nice guy. Liked everybody. 
I mean, he really did. Liked everybody. He also could explain everything. Let's take a listen to Mr. Rogers. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Could you imagine in this day and age such a dangerous statement? You can't say that. Boys are born boys and they'll always be boys. No, no, no. You can be anything you want. Uh, except you can't. Girls are born girls and will always be girls. And that's not. No, no, Rogers, you fascist. You're an awful human being, Fred Rogers. How dare you say those things? What do you mean only boys can be daddies? That That's outrageous. You can't say that. Only girls can be mommies. Don't you understand that guys suffer from menstrual cramps? No, they don't. Yes, they do. Anybody can be anything they want. No, they can't. Only boys can be daddies and only girls can be mommies. It's about as basic as it gets, right? Does anybody really want to accuse Mr. Rogers of being a hater? Because that, that's how you and I are now labeled, you see, to get us to just shut up. You're just filled with hate. Hate, 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 hate. Yeah, you think if you're like me, man, I, I, I really don't hate anybody with the exception. Child molesters? Oh, of course I hate them. They're evil human beings. I do hate child molesters. But other than that, I don't really hate anybody. Some people I don't particularly care for. Well, I don't hate you if you decide, well, I'm, I'm going to wear makeup and women's clothing. Okay, knock yourself out. I don't care. Well, I'm not going to wear makeup and I'm not going to wear women's clothing. Well, once again, I don't really care. But when you get down to basic facts, remember, we're supposed to follow the science. You do remember that that phrase was really, really popular for a while. Follow the science. Well, listen, we're following the science. And this Mr. Rogers character, not a hater, not a bigot, not mean, nasty, cruel. He said it. Boys will always be boys and girls will always be girls. Only boys can be the daddies. Only girls can be the mommies. Go ahead. Tell me that Fred Rogers was a mean, evil, phobic hater. Because people, if they're going to be honest, would stand up and say, oh, you have lost your minds. 
Okay, <laughs> I got so much that uh, I do want to uh, share with you, including a development coming out of West Point. They're ditching completely Robert E. Lee, one of their their most accomplished graduates. You can read the story right now on Facebook, The Jeff Cat Show, or on Twitter, Jeff Cat Show. It is Jeff Katz. In for Glenn, it is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz. Happy to be sitting in for Glenn. 1-888-727-BECK. 1-888-727-BEC. Okay, let me uh, let me head on over to Blaine, who's listening in Louisiana. Blaine, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Blaine, hi, Blaine. All right, let's move on to uh, Ben, who's out in Indiana. Ben, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Hey, thanks for taking my call today. Yes, sir. Uh, long time, long time listener, first time caller into this program. Welcome. Um, really appreciate um, you taking my call. I wanted to talk about our um, our fight for our public schools. Yeah. I think it, oftentimes I think, I think it goes unnoticed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what you may not know is I am a very small time conservative content creator. So my YouTube handle is <laughs> find me at. Recently made a video that um talks about my state. Uh, okay. So- uh, thanks very much. You think he was wearing shoes? I always, I always am concerned about that. By the way, uh, before he kind of went in that direction, talked about school boards for a second. It, it's, it's the most overlooked part of government. And it really is darn near the most important, isn't it? We think about this. We talk about, we vote for presidents. We need a strong president. And we do. I'm not diminishing that, but the reality is, that slow-mo Joe, who, by the way, is on a vacation as we speak, right? Headed to the Virgin Islands because, well, why not? And nobody will know the difference whether Joe Biden is wearing his terry cloth bathrobe and his funny, his fuzzy bunny slippers shuffling aimlessly around the Oval Office or he's trying to ride a bicycle down in the Virgin Islands and hoping against hope he doesn't fall off and look like a complete and total doofus. Doesn't matter where he is. Because he's not really in charge of anything, I don't think. It's like a giant meat puppet, this guy. Our presidential meat puppet. They make his arms move, his lips move. Sometimes he actually says what it is that they wanted him to say. Sometimes he says the part that he was never supposed to say out loud. But it doesn't matter. Because you've got so many water carriers in the legacy news media ranks that whatever he says or does, he gets away with. But anyway, sort of digress there for a second. School board issue. You have kids in schools? You have grandkids in schools? You got a nephew? You got a niece? Let me tell you something. You better know what the heck's going on in their schools. And school boards are sort of like the incubators for some of these outrageous, insane, dangerous policies. And there's a reason for that. There's a big reason. Because the younger these people are, When you start indoctrinating them, the easier it is to control them along the path. 
if you take a look at the situation, then you'll understand. I'm going to give you a personal example, okay? Years ago, we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I loved Charlotte. I really did. A wonderful city, great radio station, the whole, the whole bit. We still have friends in Charlotte. Her friend Linda Jones makes the, the best chocolate chip cookies anywhere on the planet. I love Charlotte. But there was a weird thing that happened. My oldest boy, who I haven't mentioned, and gosh, it's got to be five minutes now, is a junior at Stanford University now. My oldest boy was in kindergarten. And he came home one day. And he says to me, Dad, why does George Bush hate polar bears? And I remember thinking, gosh, what a what a bizarre question. And and another part of it that really bugged me was you're five years old. You can't talk about President Bush and call him George like you've been buddies with him for 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 your lifetime. That it doesn't work that way. It's certainly not in my house. I said, well, Harry. First of all, it's President Bush. Because you're not pals with the president. You can't call him by his first name. Oh, okay. This is way back when he actually listened to me and thought I might know something. And then I said, Harry, President Bush doesn't hate polar bears. Where'd you get such a crazy idea? And I, honest to goodness, don't remember the name of his kindergarten teacher, but he said, well, Mrs. So-and-so told us that today. I said, she did? Yeah. Why? Why? What was the conversation? And he started providing to me this, this, this report on what had happened in a kindergarten classroom. Heidi kind of walked in in the middle, and she could see clearly. Uh oh, there's got to be trouble. Because I said, "Well, I got to go to school tomorrow. I'm going to the kindergarten." teacher. Oh, please don't, don't make trouble for us. And I, I said, well, I'm not making trouble, but I don't want my son's head filled with some, some, some inane drivel that purports to be education. I mean, it's kindergarten for God's sakes. That, well, what's the most important thing in kindergarten? Think about it. Besides nap time, what's the second most important thing in kindergarten? Learning that your nose is not a snack dispenser. That's kindergarten. Oh, and here's a here's a blank sheet and some crayons. Go go color it in and then go take a nap and don't eat anything that comes out of your nose. That that's it. It's kindergarten. Mm-mm. They had started early. And this boy, five years old at that time, came home, and because his teacher had told him it had to be true. And she had told him that President Bush hated polar bears. Now, I've seen it throughout the years with the education in certain places, not all. But some places sort of glaze over 9-11. If you're of a certain age, you just never knew that the World Trade Center used to be there. We just came through the Christmas season, right? And what is one of the things that most of us do during the Christmas season? Whether whether you're celebrating Christmas or not, uh, do you not watch certain movies? So we have a whole list of holiday movies. 
I would tell you that there's a great Hanukkah movie out there, but there's not. It's like the it's like the songs. We have exactly two Hanukkah songs. We've got dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Out of ten different, ten thousand different versions of it, but it's one song: dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. And then we have Adam Sandler and the Hanukkah song, and that's it. And there's all this great Christmas music. Well, it's the same thing in the movie section. No great Hanukkah movies, but there's some great Christmas movies, and I don't mind watching them. I think they're great stories. I love them. I love Christmas movies. So we watch White Christmas every year with Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby. We, we watch um, Love the Coopers. Yeah, uh, The Family Stone. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. A Christmas Carol. Whatever version we're going to watch, but we absolutely watch a version of The Christmas Carol. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. They're great movies. And one of them we watch every single year is The Family Man. And that's with Nicolas Cage and Taya Leone. And it's a great film. For me, any film that involves Taya Leone is a great film. But this really is a great film. Nicolas Cage is, at the beginning, he's, he's this big, high-powered Wall Street dude. And what's really striking for for me and for Heidi, not just the story, although the story is a great one. And for me, again, did I mention Taylor Leone? I yeah, oh, love Taylor Leone. But it's the fact that there are images of the World Trade Center there. Well, to me, that's like a punch in the gut. Every time I see a, a photo of the World Trade Center, those towers standing tall, I just, I remember everything from that day. But then you start thinking about somebody who is, say, the age of my children. My 21-year-old has absolutely, positively, no first-hand recollection of the World Trade Center. Now, we used to drive by them when we lived in Charlotte and we were traveling up to New England to see my in-laws. We'd go through New Jersey. And we'd always look to the right, and there were the World Trade Center towers. But he doesn't remember that. And for him... When he watches that movie, it doesn't really mean anything. And part of it is because schools have just sort of, they happily breeze by September the 11th. I think September 11th ought to be an entire piece of curriculum on its own. It's a huge story. It's a major impact on our nation. And instead, it's covered in couple of paragraphs. So, so that's the point of this, is that the school boards make these decisions. What books will be read? What books won't be read? Are you, <clears throat> are you really going to have these, these pornographic books in school libraries? Well, they're everywhere in middle schools. Absolutely outrageous books. It's up to parents. And so we can argue about control of Congress. We can debate who's who's really doing things in the Senate. We can we can get involved one way or the other with the presidential race. But let me tell you something. If you are not involved at the local level, if you are not showing up to school board meetings, and despite what Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, said about parents showing up to school board meetings, they're not terrorists. They're moms and dads who love their kids, value teachers, but want education and not indoctrination in those schools. 
you got to stand up for this stuff or else there'll be more kids who come home asking you why Republicans hate polar bears and not knowing anything at all about the World Trade Center or September the 11th, 2001. Check out the social media presence, if you don't mind, on Twitter, Jeff Katz Show. K-A-T-Z is how you spell it. I know uh, some places people are going, I have no idea. Did he say cats? Did he say, what did he say? Katz, K-A-T-Z. Jeff Katz Show on Twitter. The Jeff Katz Show over on Facebook. In both of those cases, would you give it a follow? And while you're online, please make sure you're looking at theblaze.com. You're looking at glennbeck.com. And if you want to send me an email, I'm always happy to see those. Go to thejeffcatshow.com, and there's a button there to send me an email. Jeff Katz from News Radio WRBA in Central Virginia. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz, happy to be sitting in for Glenn today. Mentioned to you yesterday that Heidi and I are having this debate about television, right? I mean, it's cold where we are. I'm in Virginia, and like last night it was it was 20 degrees. And, and today it's going to be, I don't know, 40 degrees, 45. Now this weekend's going to be 65, 70 degrees. Fantastic. But I don't like the cold. I, I, I don't like the ice. I don't like this. I don't like any of that stuff. I came south from, from Boston figuring, well, it's pretty far. I'm south of the Mason-Dixon line. and blah, 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 blah. No, it's cold. So what does Heidi want to do? Hi, my wife is a, well, she's addicted to weather stuff. When they were sort of spitballing the weather channel, it was Heidi they had in mind. She loves it. It's, it's like weather porn. I swear to you. It's like a teenage boy who somehow got into his dad's closet and found a stack of those magazines. That's the intensity with which my lovely bride watches the weather nonsense. So I said, I'm not sitting here watching weather reports. I, I get it. There, there are people in Buffalo who are dealing with seven feet of snow and it really, really stinks and people have died and it's horrible. And I will remember them, make no mistake about it. I will keep them in my prayers, but I don't want to watch nonstop weather coverage. So what does she do? She discovers a show on the History Channel called Alone. Well, I had high hopes for the television program Alone because I thought, well, it's a show about being alone. I like being alone. I can watch it and be alone. Oh, no, we're going to watch it together. So right away, we're not alone when we're watching it. And it's a bunch of crazy people who are dropped into somewhere in British Columbia. And they they can bring a couple of things with them. And then they're supposed to survive out in nature for 100 days. And if you, if you get to that, then you get a half a million dollars. My ears perked up at the half a million dollars. I'll give you that. But I thought, they're insane. And all you see are they're hungry, they have no food, there are bears everywhere. And I thought, well, why should I watch that? I, I go to the grocery store, it's, it's equally as painful. And on Peacock, woo, the Ric Flair documentary. 
I had to watch, I think it was five episodes of Alone before I could be alone with the Ric Flair documentary. And all I can say is, woo! Stay in touch on social media, would you? Over on uh, Facebook, The Jeff Katz Show on Facebook. Over on Twitter, Jeff Katz Show. And yeah, you spell it K-A-T-Z. And if you want to send me an email, the easiest thing to do is head over to the website, The Jeff Katz Show. Dot com. Let me thank Lance and Dom and Sarah and especially Glenn for letting me sit in. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program.